0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Flavor of the Week, brought to you by Banditos, fresh made daily. In Flavor of the Week, Kyle sits down with one of our local priests over four different episodes to sample variations of a favorite food or drink while they discuss the ins and outs of life as a priest. Previously on Flavor of the Week with Monsignor Owen Campion. The problem that they had was uh, getting gasoline. Uh, Because of the wartime rationing, Uh Uh, the average citizen could buy three gallons a week, can you imagine? But they saved the gas until Sunday came around. All of my teachers were Dominican sisters of St. Cecilia, but they had a tremendous effect upon me. The school was not that old to begin with, so there were only 11 students in my class, in the eighth grade class. Which meant, uh, by just necessity, we had a lot of uh, personal attention from uh, the sister who was the teacher. I say this all the time. When I was in high school, Mm -hmm. my heroes were not uh, athletes and uh, popular entertainers, uh, but they were the priests. Sure. Uh, Two of them became bishops. They were a fine group of men. Yeah. One of the priests had a, a weekend assignment, and that was to the Tennessee State Prison for Men. So mass was there at 9 o'clock in the morning or whatever it was. Well, the prisoners could not go to the mess hall for breakfast because they'd break their fast. The uh-huh. Catholic prisoners could not. So that was an issue. The Daughters of Charity uh, took upon themselves. They would bring—I uh, can still taste them— These wonderful, wonderful sweet rolls and donuts, (laughs) so forth, from the hospital kitchen Uh serve a breakfast to the prisoners. Well, uh, that was nice, but more than that, it was their concern for the prisoners. Mm -hmm. So uh, gradually, I guess, I decided that uh, I I wanted to be a priest. Uh Uh, There were a lot of liturgical changes that came along, Mm -hmm. and one of them came about with regard to there was change in the liturgy of funerals. So there was a, a priest a year younger than I um, who had just been ordained, uh, well, just over a year. <clears throat> and he um, uh, seemed to be hale and hearty, but anyway, he had to have extensive surgery, and he he died as a result. So he was a very good friend. Well, anyway, the editor of the Dyson paper, who was a layman, called me up and uh, said uh, they're using the new liturgy for uh, for funerals, for Father Sherman's funeral. Would you write an article for the paper kind of explaining what is different? Mm -hmm. So I did, and the editor, I guess, liked it. So he began to call me to write. Features for the paper on various things. And so I was doing a lot of writing. Well, he got another job, and so he was going to leave the paper. And I was in the chancery office one day, and the bishop came in. We got on the elevator, and so I can see him right now. He said, By the way, would you like to be editor of the paper? So that was where I got Just on that the job. elevator. That was on the, the job offer. <laughs> when I left, they had a search committee, but that was <laughs> not that was not the way then. Uh-huh. But anyway, I uh, became editor of the paper. I was there for seventeen years, and the course of those years, I uh, came to be quite active uh, in the National Catholic Press Group, the Catholic Commu- uh, uh, Press Association went to all the meetings and so forth. I was elected to the board. I was elected treasurer. And then when I was 34, which would have been regarded as quite young, the office of president was uh, open. uh, opening. It was going to be vacant. So they um, nominated uh, Monsignor John Foley from uh, Philadelphia, the editor of the paper in Dowson, paper in Philadelphia as to be president. Well, they had not had the election. He was, uh, he was the uh, unopposed candidate, but he had not been elected. So about 10 days or two weeks after his nomination, we had not had the election. Uh, he was named an archbishop and president of the uh, Council of Communications at the Holy See, which meant he had to resign the nomination. And the nominating committee went back and they nominated me. So I was elected president. I was the youngest president in uh, the group's history at that time. Well, <clears throat> I was elected. Uh, they uh, That put me on sort of a uh, – gave me a certain national perspective. In my two years as president, I was not in Nashville one whole week. Huh. I did that much travel uh-huh. all around the country. <laughs> and uh, I wish I had a nickel for – uh, every hour that I have spent in some kind of a committee or a commission <laughs> or think tank or whatever yeah. <laughs> about Catholic communications. Yeah. And, and so. Um, but you've got it all figured out by now. All right? uh, yeah, that's all right. Oh, those committees <laughs> fade off. <laughs> that's the reason they, they keep me here. Yeah. I got them. But I was all over the country. Uh-huh. Uh, I met a lot of people that way. So then. Uh, Of course, my term expired, but I didn't therefore lose those friendships. Sure. Uh, Then uh, I got a call from here, from Bob Lockwood here. Here at Our Sunday Visitor? Here at Our Sunday Visitor. Uh It was in January. Uh And so he uh, told me to come up. He said, we might want to talk to you about a book or something. And that's what I thought. So I flew up. We went to dinner, and he offered me the job of associate publisher here. Father Gesey, my predecessor who is now with God, Father Gesi was retiring uh-huh. and so uh, he said, we want you to take Father Geese's uh, place if you would so this of course was quite an adjustment if I knew it would be it would be quite an adjustment Back in Nashville the uh, Bishop Nies who's gone to God himself, was very sympathetic. Uh, some bishops are reluctant to get priests, See priests go for these sure. national positions. Yeah, but he uh, talked to him and he said, I, "I don't feel that way." He said, "The church is universal," and he said, "We have priests in the military. I don't resent their being away." Uh-huh. And uh, he said, "That's kind of the way I look upon this opportunity that you have is an opportunity to serve the national church, and that's what we're about just as much as serving the Diocesan Church." Mm-hmm. So he was very supportive. So I moved here. My first day here was November the 1st, 1988. And in uh, the following May, it was in uh, uh, Chicago, actually, at the Catholic Press Convention. Uh Archbishop Foley was there as one of the speakers. And we were very close friends. And he he said to uh, me, he said, I want to, you to the Holy See to be our liaison with Catholic publishers around the world. Uh huh. So I took that position. Our Sunday Visitor was enormously supportive. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So were you able to do both, or did you have to resign your position? No, at I didn't Sunday resign the did... position okay. here, but it frankly did sort of fall into the background uh-huh. because uh, I would get these calls to go to San Paulo and meet with somebody, or <laughs> Hong Kong, or whatever. And our Sunday visitor was very supportive since it was the work of the Vatican. Uh-huh. If you do travel and so forth in the Vatican's behalf, obviously they pay for it. Okay. Well, uh, the board of directors here, that would have been under Bishop Darcy as the chairman, but in any event, the board of directors here would not, they would never allow the Holy See to pay for any of my expenses. Huh. And so... uh I uh, racked up a lot of miles. Yeah. But uh, our Sunday visitor was tremendously supportive. Yeah. So that went on, that appointment endured for nine years. What was something that you learned from being in that position? Well, I think I learned, uh, among other things, how enormously varied the church actually is. Mm-hmm. It was during that period that communism ended in Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before that, about the only place where there was any form of Catholic communications, either broadcast or print, and that was very uh, controlled by the government, was Poland. Okay. I was there twice in the the communist days. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, and and we Americans just can't relate to how life would have been there. It still is in some places. Sure. I was in Warsaw, and the Bishop's Conference has a headquarters building, and it has two floors of guest rooms like hotel for mm-hmm. visitors who come in with business in the for the Bishop's Conference. So I was staying there. Well, on the— First floor, they have a, a little dining room for guests. And the, the dining room opens onto a uh, as a patio like a garden or something outside. Well, I realized there was another guest, and the other guest uh, was Cardinal Maharsky, the Archbishop of Krakow who I think is uh, deceased now himself. Mm-hmm. In any event, he's certainly no longer archbishop. He succeeded John Paul II as archbishop. There. Oh, okay. So Big shoes to fill. Big shoes. So anyway, I heard that the cardinal was there. Well, I got down to breakfast, and there he was. Spoke very good English. Uh-huh. So we chit-chatted for a while, Mainly kind of trivial stuff about when did you first meet Pope John Paul or how well do you know something. Like that. Uh-huh. So then, um, just to give you an idea of what kind of atmosphere they lived in, I said something about Gorbachev in Russia, uh-huh. and you know he's negative. Was gonna... No, I don't. Th- I think it's more inquisitorial Okay, uh, what do you think of him, or uh-huh. is he going to change things or whatever? Right, and I'll never forget. Sitting there at the table, uh, the cardinal—you uh, y- can see what I'm, our listeners can't uh-huh. see—but I remember the cardinal did this: pointed to the ceiling, and he stood up and opened the door to the patio and beckoned me out. Uh huh. And we got outside, and he talked about Gorbachev. What he was saying was the place is bugged. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And so um, it was. It was just a world that uh, we would not be familiar with. But yeah. Of course, it was kind of novel for us and interesting to observe. But there were many Catholics who had to live in that situation and experience all sorts of of um, hardships and prison itself. Well, then of course the Iron Curtain came down. Uh huh. In all of those countries, many of which had long ancient Catholic traditions, Poland, Lithuania, Slovakia, mm-hmm. the Czech Republic, Hungary, th- they wanted to resume a, a free life of the church, including Catholic communications. Uh-huh. So they um, came to me, the Holy See came to me, and on a couple of occasions, and asked me to organize a, a group of Americans in Catholic communications to go over. Now, they had no no sense, and I, I don't say this in the slightest way to put them down. I mean, we'd be the same way uh, if we were so controlled by the government. Mm-hmm. But uh, they had no uh, sense of anything. How I mean, what kind of— Say, if you're talking about a radio station, what kind of broadcast equipment do you – because, see, you couldn't buy broadcast equipment other than with government authorization. Right. Well, uh, now they could, but what do you buy? And uh, how do you – do you do shortwave or what do you do? Then, uh, well, what do we pay our people? I mean, how do you – I mean, everything just basic. And I, once again, I must stress I'm not in uh, running them down – but they had just never been allowed to be in that. Is it, is it kind of like you open up the cage and the, just the bird t- doesn't even want to leave? Exactly. They don't know I mean, what's well, out I there. I think they wanted to, out, yeah. but they didn't know what to do. Right. And so huh. um, I was, um, one year I was in Poland five times. Um, consulting. Consulting, or I'd get a group of Americans uh, together, six or eight, and, and we would go over. And we would have week-long seminars. Mm -hmm. Um, But now, then another thing came in, and this would be of interest to reading a radio audience Uh in Brazil. To find out what happens next, join us for Flavor of the Week Part 3 with Monsignor Owen Campion.